This week on the Boag World Show, we talk about productivity tips for freelancers and becoming an entrepreneur. This week's show is sponsored by Teacup AdWords and Full Story. Boag World Show, the podcast about all aspects of digital design, development and strategy. My name is Paul Boag and joining me on this week's show as pretty much all shows is Marcus. Hello Marcus. Hello Paul, how are you? I am, uh, to be honest, stressed out of my little mind. Oh dear. I've taken on far too much work, which is ah. is is bad enough. So, so as you know, next week we're we're going off to um, IWMW, which is a big uh, higher education conference. I haven't prepared yeah. that. That's I've got nothing for that. Um, I've given. Uh, I'm also supposed to be doing some customer journey mapping and some empathy mapping at the moment, and um, this podcast is getting in the way of that, so that's not getting done. And then in the middle of all of this, I have this bright idea. Do you know what? I've been blogging for. 12 years now i haven't updated um the website for what three years i I, i'm i'm just i'm gonna sort out boag world as well which which uh, so i've redesigned the home page i've redesigned the blog page but i would say redesign i've shifted things around a bit i um i've and then i started a content audit right of sorting out over 1500 blog posts hmm Oh, and, just, and we'll just stop doing it. And then, just... and then, and then, and then, and then I thought, oh, I, I could try out a chat bot. So I've been playing with that as well. So I've, I've just, I've lost control of my mental processes entirely. I just seem to be, you know, normally I'm very organised, aren't I? And I, you, you are, yes, I'll give you that. But you're just all over the place at the moment. I've just given up. <laughs> well, uh, my last week was really tough as well. You, where you been? You've been on holiday, have you again? Because it's about no, time. No, 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 it was it was really tough. I had to work all five days. That's it. <laughs> Is that it? Really? That's it. Yeah, I ha- I haven't done a full week's work in quite a while, uh, and it was a bit you know it's a bit hard. I mean, I got to like Thursday afternoon, and it was you know I don't know if I'm going to make it through Friday, but I did in the end. And but it was made. My week was made by a uh, comment oh, in the Slack channel. Nobody cares about <laughs> one comment. One comment in the Slack channel does not represent a popular movement. It's not going to relaunch your pop career. I'm sorry. The, the comment was the 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 music for the podcast should get an award. There you go. Well, yeah. That's not just I quite like it. Yeah, but it's, that it's very open as to what that award should be. It could be yeah, exactly. award for the worst yeah, the podcast worst music theme ever. tune ever. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah, I hadn't thought of it like that. Oh well, you've just ruined it. Everything. I know. Oh, well, that's that's, uh, that's that's what I seem to be doing at the moment on a self-destructive <laughs> thing. Oh, and also, I, we had, I've got like hundreds of bloody thunderflies in my office. You know those tiny little flies. The ones that get inside your monitor. Yes, I know. And they're everywhere. And so if I start randomly clapping in the middle of this podcast, it's not because I'm overjoyed with happiness. <laughs> it's that I'm trying to kill thunderflies. Murderer. I don't care. They deserve to die. <laughs> I haven't, I haven't, they haven't appeared in my life for years. Well, 
I did get to the root of the problem, which is I put a banana skin in my bin that ah. hasn't been emptied for a while. So but th- you'd think you'd get fruit flies from that, wouldn't you? Oh, who, who knows? I don't claim <laughs> to understand nature. My father is only a wildlife <laughs> photographer. I don't get it. I don't. I yeah, don't. it's really complicated. You have to know loads of terms, Latin stuff. You oh, he know. doesn't know Latin. He's not. He's not a clever. Natu- um, well, he was going to do. A, I tried to persuade him to do a lightning talk for this podcast, simply so everybody could laugh at how much we sound the same. But um, yeah, he didn't. Oh, well, he's retired, well, isn't he? He just waltzes yeah. around the world now. Well, I've found that people say they're going to do it and then don't. Mm. Mm. We've only got four slots left, mine. Oh, well, that's... I don't care now, then. Well, I care a bit. Well, I, I, well, I care if we run out. It's... Well, we'll just have to do some more. Yeah, you'll have to listen to us. <laughs> I could do a whole section on, on doing content audits. Why are you doing a content audit? I've always found them a little bit kind of like, well, yeah, it's a list of stuff. Well, no, I'm not. Basically, I mean, it's amazing what crap I've talked about for 12 years. Um, So more, yeah, okay, so you're going to try and maybe weed some stuff out? Yeah, what I'm doing is going through and tagging um, all my posts. So I'm saying um, I'm either saying yeah this is all right this is evergreen just ignore it Mm. or this was i mean like hundreds of bloody job ads for for headscape people you know right oh we're hiring well (laughs) why is that still on the site so i'm so that that stuff is being flagged for archiving Mm -hmm. um and and then some stuff is being flagged to rewrite in other words i think it's a really good topic but things have moved on Right. Um, so, so when I when I archive stuff, I'm not. I am denied about. Do I just completely delete this stuff? Um, but I'm not going to. What I'm doing instead is I'm um, marking it. I, I'm putting a banner over the top of it that basically says um, this content is is out of date. Um, it's wrong. And it's, uh, what I said in twenty yeah, two thousand and nine is wrong. Is not my current opinion. Yeah. So so it's got that. And it's also (laughs) been removed from my internal search engine and from my listings. But you can still find it on Google and you can still link to it directly because I don't want to break any links. What's the point? Oh, that's the other thing I'm doing as well is that occasionally you come across a post and you go, actually, I'm going to delete that because in another two years, I wrote a much better post on the same subject. So I'll just link from one to the other. And I redirect the traffic across to the the more recent one. So it's just a big tidy up. But it desperately needed doing because there is some real rubbish on there. (laughs) But there's also a lot of very smug moments. Really? Yeah, of me going, I was right about that. See, nobody listened (laughs) to me at the time. Uh, And then you said the same thing. You repeated yourself. Well, there's a lot of (laughs) there was a lot of me going yeah, Web 2.0, yeah, tech bubble, tech bubble, tech bubble. And and then there was. Yeah. So I felt smug about that. And there was various... Uh, I, I was I was very progressive on the whole mobile stuff as well. That was... I was writing about that years before um, it caught on. And then, of course, all the web standard stuff as well. Mm-hmm. So I actually found yeah. the post. I found the post where we moved 
to um, HTML and uh, CSS rather than table-based design. Yeah, I remember that all happening. Mm-hmm. I think my, most people were within Headscape, if I remember rightly, were like, yeah, okay. Yeah, Lee wasn't. Uh, yeah, apart from Lee. Lee was he's all right with it now. Just about. <laughs> <laughs> Lee listens. Hi, Lee. Yeah, Hello. he can't deny that line. I like the way you replied for him then. Hello. <laughs> yeah, that was Lee's voice. That's what he sounds like. <laughs> he made me laugh earlier. Why is um, that? Lee's... Um, Lost his his uh, internet connection Mind? today. Oh, okay. So uh, so basically, and he he announced on Slack about half an hour ago. Oh, it's finally come back. So I said, so I said, so have you just been drumming your fingers on the desk all day? Uh, and then he and he said, yeah, that and just clicking refresh all the time. And then I put in quotes, "Work, you bastard." Right. And he came back and said, "That's a bit harsh, don't you think?" Oh, can I get a cup of tea first? <laughs> Honestly, it's quite funny. He um, uh, he's very suspicious. Lee seems to lose internet a lot on sunny days. I think there must be. I think there must be kind of like the the copper in, that comes to his house gets heated up on a hot day. He's got virgin. Oh, is um, he fiber? Oh, well, so. well, he's got no excuse then. Honestly. Well, he did post the error message that was that Virgin. Uh-huh. Was. Yeah, anybody can uh, mock that up. Yeah, well, anyone, especially someone who can is a designer. Oh, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> He's lying It's sunny to today, though. It is now. It wasn't earlier. No, that's yeah. true. Uh, that's anyway, better. we really are talking complete twaddle. <laughs> yeah, I think your other word would have been more appropriate. But anyway, right, let's talk about our first sponsor, and then we'll get into a talk. So I want to talk about Full Story. Um, oh, just... I. I yeah, I really love Full Story. I realised that I deleted it by accident off of my website when I was doing some update, rather, of which I've been doing many at the moment. Dan would be spinning in his grave if he was dead, watching what I was doing to his beautiful website. Um, so, yes, I've put Full Story back on the on the site. Uh, oh, it's just so, so much more intuitive and easy to understand than Google Analytics. Um, and I've been using it last week to try and reduce my bounce rate and encourage newsletter signups. And it's made it, it made such a difference because you actually know what's going wrong. Um, and it was really interesting. Um, uh, Tantum on Twitter uh, sent me a tweet last week that said, you're not kidding about full Tatum, st- Tatum, Paul. What did I say? Tantum. Well, you say Tatum, <laughs> I say tantum. I don't know. Tatato, you say tatato. Yeah, whatever. Yes. Yeah, I don't it, care. It's a person. I'm only, it, it, you know, I'm only using them for for promotional purposes. I don't care about them as a human being. I don't even know if it's a man <laughs> or a woman. That's how little I care about this person. That's so horrible. Oh no! Yeah, I know. You said all that out loud I know. to hundreds of thousands of people. What? No. Nowhere near hundreds of thousands. Five hundred and one persons. Yeah. I, I, uh, Tatum Tantum probably doesn't even listen to the show. It's fine. It, it doesn't exist. Basically. No. No, it is a real tweet. I, can, <laughs> I will include a link. Catherine, when, you, when you're transcribing this, remind me to give you a link to that tweet. Bollocks. Now I have to set up an account you're, under Tatum. You're being, yeah, you're being found out like Lee. What? Like you're accusing Lee. Of. Yeah, exactly. So uh, this person, lovely, wonderful person, 
who I care deeply about, wrote, you're not kidding about full story. It's easily the best analytics tool I've used. Actually gives better clues into why. And that was what really impressed me about it is that you could be able to watch those sessions back and actually see why people are doing what they're doing. It's so much more useful to actually kind of get to the bottom of what's happening. So, for example, um, one of the things I was finding was that um, people get into my Book of More page, which has got all the books and stuff that I was, um, I, I, you know, I'm flogging people that they don't want. Um, and um, I was discovering that there was quite a big drop off. It was almost like people weren't interested in my books, which obviously it couldn't possible to believe. Exactly. It couldn't have been the real reason. Turns out a lot of them were clicking on the picture of the book, which wasn't a link. So I had to make that link. And I wouldn't have found that out if I wasn't watching the sessions back. So it's things like that are really useful. Anyway, if you want to sign up to see um, if it gives you great results as well, you can get a free month of their pro account for free. No credit card or anything like that. And then um, even after that free month has finished, if you want to carry on using it um, without paying, you can do so. You can get a thousand sessions per month absolutely free or you can pay and get more sessions recorded. Um, And all of that you can get from going to fullstory.com forward slash boag. B-O-E-G. Cool. I recommended it to a client this week. Yeah, it's a, it is really, I, I'm really glad we've got them on the show, actually. You know, it's really nice when you've got a, a product on you actually really like, um, which is good. We've got, yeah, I'm quite picky over the sponsors we have. Anyway, um, next up, yes, Brent. Brent is our first um, uh, uh, speaker of the day. And uh, very, uh, it's a really cool talk, this. It's very different. It's basically, it's just him telling a story, isn't it, really? It's from the heart. I know. I really liked it. So, um, Brent Weaver, this is. You can find out more about him at yougurus.com. So, that's the letter U, gurus.com. And he's the CEO and founder of that, um, which is like an online academy to help a digital agency owners um, master kind of businessy type stuff. Um, so they've got like a boot camp program, um, all kinds of things. You can, you can read more about him if you want to. Um, but his, his, his little story, it's a really great one about his first, really his first ever pitch that, Mm. that was disastrous basically. (laughs) Um, so I'll let you listen to that and, um, yeah, you can, you too can feel his pain. So I'm sitting at this conference table in an office building in downtown Sacramento, and I'm out there for basically the first real big pitch that I ever made as a web designer. Uh, and I'm sitting in this conference room, and I'm in a full like madman style suit. And uh, my business partner's there with me, and we had flown out uh, there for this meeting. And uh, you, you know, you can always even say this was like my very first business trip. So there's a couple of firsts here. Uh, and this RFP or request for proposal had stated that they had a budget around $80,000. So I'm sitting here at this table and I had just given a PowerPoint presentation uh, of all these amazing things that we could do for this organization. And uh, they had kind of a stated agenda for the day and we were in their Q&A segment. So they, they had uh, uh, given me an opportunity to give my PowerPoint and then they had some pre 
uh, scripted questions that they wanted to ask us. And there's maybe eight or nine people from the organization. They're sitting around this conference table, and uh, there, me and my business partner are on the middle of one side. And and honestly, I felt pretty cool in the moment. I felt kind of smart and professional. I was only 22 years old, which at the time, of course, I felt I was old and, and knew everything because I could you know, drink and go to bars legally. But in the grand scheme of things, I didn't really know much about anything, especially much about anything when it came to business, uh, which became apparent when the woman across from me at this conference table actually starts to fall asleep. She starts to nod off in the middle of this meeting, which was uh, kind of distracting to myself uh, thinking about that. And I'm trying to keep it together. But in my head, I'm thinking like, is this... Is she really falling asleep right in front of me? Um, and and so I kind of I kind of play through this, right? I kind of shrug it off as incon- inconsequential, uh, and keep rolling through my scripted answers. So I know I had said my questions were scripted, but um, I had kind of been given a little bit of ed- an edge in this deal. Uh, you know, to some extent, you could even say we had been supposedly promised the project before we even had won it. Uh, and that's because my best friend from high school, Arash, actually headed the organization's IT team. And he had gotten me the questions ahead of time, which gave me plenty of time to prepare uh, really good answers for these questions. And uh, the nights and uh, the time before we actually had gotten into this meeting, we had worked really, really hard on a demo, basically showing them exactly what their RFP was asking for. Uh, and and we presented the, to them a working solution and had like perfect answers to every question uh, that was in this question guide that they were giving us. Uh, and, and every sign in my head at the time pointed towards a yes. Except in the meeting, here was this girl basically, you know, falling asleep uh, right in front of me, which I don't know if you guys have ever had a client or prospect fall asleep in a meeting with you. It's not a good sign. I'm just putting that out there. And I remember thinking, you know, man, websites must bore her and her boss must be forcing her in this meeting. I, I feel I kind of feel sorry for her. Like that was that was really the thoughts in the moment going through my head. And um you know, if to me, I was I was in this meeting, and I'm I'm like knocking each question out of the park. I, I had the questions earlier. I had worked on my answers. Uh, my friend coached me on these answers. Uh, he told me exactly what the organization wanted to hear, and I had re- re- rehearsed this stuff like over and over the night before, and my delivery was was flawless. So as as the meeting wrapped up, they asked us if we had any questions for them, and. I knew everything. I'm this all-powerful 22-year-old, right? And uh, I'm like, no, you know, we're we're all good. No, uh, no questions here. And uh, in, in in like that, the the meeting was over. Our our big pitch uh, was over. And and you know, we were all dressed up in our swank suits. So Steve and I, you know, head over to a local restaurant to celebrate. We're thinking like, we got this. We just we just landed the biggest deal of our business and this is where we got it made. So, you know, we're cheersing over, over lunch, ordering a bottle of wine and, uh, you know, we're mapping out plans of how we're going to get this project done in between our class time. And probably more importantly, you know, what are we going to do with all this money as college kids? All of our friends are broke and we're going to have 80 grand. And, uh, as the conversation went through, you know, over lunch, the excitement was was really building. We were we were um, we were getting more and more sure that we had this deal in the bag, and uh, so we're, we actually were staying at 
our friend that worked at this organization, we were actually staying at his house. So we knew he wasn't getting home for a couple of hours. And, um, you know, we, we would be able to, to, to finally make it official when he got home. Um, but it was going to be a couple of hours. And, and I remember we, we, on the way home to his house, we decided to stop and get a bottle of, uh, I think it was Johnny Walker blue, which is the, I don't know if you know much about scotch, but it was the more expensive scotch, uh, than like the cheap red label kind of standard issue stuff that, you know, college students would normally buy. We like went all out on this, this bottle because we were going to celebrate. So a rash's car, I kind of, I hear it pull up outside. I open the front door with my celebratory glass, uh, of scotch in hand doing the air cheers. I think my tie was tied around the top of my head like a bandana. I mean, that's kind of, it, it had gotten to that point, uh, while we were waiting for him. And, uh, I look out and I see his face and it's just, it's pale white and he's shaking his head side to side. And he's like, you guys didn't get it. You didn't get the deal. It was, uh. Rewarded to the other firm. That was like a a pretty sobering moment. <laughs> um, you know, the whole I don't know weeks of work, I just down down the tubes, and uh, it, it, it was kind of crazy because I think the organization, I mean, the people that we knew in the organization and my friend Rash, I mean, they all had kind of told this this was an easy decision it was and maybe i don't know if you've ever had a sure thing in your life that uh ended up not being a sure thing uh and uh you know it ended up turning into like this four hour argument i guess after we left um a really heated disagreement between all the attendees of that meeting and a couple of them we knew and we had kind of built relationships with um during this process um a couple of them we we didn't know i mean most of them we 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 didn't know um but you know they they kind of deliberate on this for for quite some time and i guess one of the women you know arash kind of uh, it's kind of hard for me to talk about it's, it's somewhat embarrassing um but you know arash tells us that one of the women at the the table said that those guys looked like a couple of dudes we would have seen at a club in miami uh which you know again we were i thought i was wearing a pretty swank suit and and that's what you did as a as a businessman right and uh so you can imagine we went from like cloud nine to face planning in the in the dirt uh and then probably kind of got a, a stomp on the back of our head for good measure because of course a rash like you know unpacks like everything that went down in this meeting uh and and we didn't know any better i mean nobody else there was wearing suits and none of the other companies that came you know the guy was like i think the competing firm was wearing like a polo that was untucked or something like that. And, uh, Arash explained that one of the other women, uh, I guess in the room has said that, um, you know, that she didn't think that we cared about the organization because we didn't ask them questions and, um, we didn't really, you know, Arash had really gone to bat for us, uh, over this whole conversation. And he knew that, you know, these issues that they were bringing up really weren't who we really were. I mean, you know, we were pretty down to earth guys. I lived in Boulder, Colorado. I mean, you know, we were, it wasn't really the, the impression that they got of us really wasn't who we were. We were kind of playing the part of who we thought we should be in that moment. Uh, but it, it didn't really matter. I mean, the decision, the decision was made. So Steve and I are like, 
you know, kind of asking ourselves questions and, and trying to figure out what this all means. Cause we had kind of pinned our hopes on this thing for, for weeks. Like we had been talking about what this deal was going to do for us. And then that whole day, we're just thinking we got this thing and, and we're like, now we're like, well, what does this mean? Is, is our business viable? Like we're graduating soon or are we going to keep this thing alive or are we going to shut it down? For the first time, I kind of felt like I was doing what I was meant to. Um, I was having a lot of fun with this and the prospect that this could be like our business in our life that we could go and pursue these types of opportunities and solve these really cool problems started, you know, it was just, it was just so apparent that this is what I needed to do with my life. And our business had always felt really counter to what everyone else told us we should be doing. You know, I thought about my other friends in college and they didn't have a clue what they were doing. Even the ones that did really well and got good grades, like didn't have a clear purpose of what happened after college. Like everybody had given them a plan up until that moment. And then the plan was just go get a job. And, uh, you know, I, I can very confidently say that, um, you know, losing that project was, was terrible. It kind of sucked, but, uh, Steve and I both agreed, um, that there was a silver lining that, um, you know, this really well-known and respected organization had entertained a couple of 22-year-old kids from Texas to build a website for them for $85,000. Like, that was three times what most of our friends hoped to make after graduation. And that project would have taken us a couple of months. I mean, our business, even though we didn't get the deal, was kind of validated. And our patio conversation shifted, shifted from, you know, is this possible to, like, this could be big. This could be the thing that we do. I mean, if... If there are these multi-million dollar organizations that are looking to 22-year-old kids to solve their problems, then there's obviously there's obviously opportunity here. And, um, you know, so we kind of went from, is this possible to like, is, is there, like, what do we do next? Like, what, what happens from here? And, you know, Steve's telling me, he's like, look, man, I really want to work with you. And, you know, I think that we have something here, but we need to make a move for it. Like, we we can't keep this as a side gig for the rest of our lives. That's not how I want to operate. And I didn't either. And we needed to kind of jump into the deep end. So we start like making this plan that he's going to like leave UT Austin and move to Colorado. And, and I'm, I'm where I'm living in Boulder and going to see you. And we're going to start working out of our condo and we start playing the calculator game. You know, how much money do we need to survive? How much money do we need to, do we want to make to thrive? You know, I mean, how much revenue like do we have from existing clients and how many clients do we need to win or to keep it going? Like we're starting to like pan out like this plan and we start wondering about, you know, well, our, what are our parents going to think? Like, what are, are they going to be mad? <laughs> what are our friends going to think? I mean, is this, is this going to be ridiculous? I mean, is this going to work? Like, could it, but we committed, you know, I think right then and there, we chose to jump in the deep end. And, you know, after four years of this being a side hustle for us and nights and weekends, a, a summer's thing, you know, it was time to make it the, the main thing. But it was, uh, it was a new beginning, and I think new beginnings are always exciting. And in that moment, you know, anything was, was really possible. Even though we had come off this huge failure, it was, it was so inspiring. I think what I've learned to, to enjoy is to look at those moments as proof that that opportunity could happen again. Like, for me, it became a proof of concept. Um, lots of things had to go right to actually get us in that room. Just one thing didn't go right. So we needed to basically, you know, get ourselves in that position again. And, um, 
you know, for me, that commitment that I made that night and, and that commitment that Steve made to create a business together was, was probably the most important leading decision of my life. Um, you know, that commitment that night led to so many things in my life that I cherish today. And I also, uh, I don't wear suits anymore. These days I, uh, I prefer the t-shirt and, uh, t-shirt and, and jeans over the, uh, the suit, but maybe that's a story for another day until next time. I'm Brent Weaver. See, that's a great story. I love that. I bet you love that Marcus. That must be your kind of thing. I would have thought it, it. Yes. I don't think I ever had anyone fall asleep on me though. That's what do you do? I know. <laughs> do you suddenly you know, kind of say something really loudly in the hope yeah. of waking Hi. them up? <laughs> that every, every alarm bell would have been been uh, ringing for me at that point. I would not have gone off and and bought a very expensive bottle of scotch. No, <laughs> I would be thinking we're not doing too well here. Yeah, but he's a young guy. Yeah, you know? it was at the time, obviously. Yeah. So, so yeah, you, you you make those kinds of mistakes. I just thought it was a really wonderful story. It just it really amused me. I know. Yeah, but it's the whole story kind of made me. It, it reminded me of pitching can be great and it can be awful. Yeah, and you never you never know. You never know what you're going to get. No, uh, right up until you walk out the door. I mean, quite often you walk out the door looking at each other, going, "No idea." Yeah. Um, but sometimes they are car crashes, which obviously that one was. Um, uh, and you kind of realise at that point that they didn't want you there. You're just there to make up the numbers. Mm. And you think, well, why did you? Why did you waste my, my all of this day and all the preparation was just a total waste? So yeah, and a waste it, of their time as well. Well, but they have to. They have to have a certain number to meet, and mm, the, you know yeah. they have to have a short list and all this kind of thing. And I guess that's that's always been my message to the few clients who have who have ever wanted to discuss pitching with me. I've always said, look, you know, if you don't want, if you if if you're not interested in somebody, you know, okay, you might want to see a proposal from them, but don't make. If you're thinking these guys are kind of bottom of the list, then you know, don't invite them up because it really is a waste a waste of their time. Mm. Don't do it. Mm. But yeah. Um, the the other thing that came out of it was the the, the this the, the thing that Chris always says um you know because I always say yeah we we so and so has said they they want to work with us and he goes no not till we've got the signed contract yeah because that's how Chris talks um <laughs> <laughs> and and it, it's true because we had uh you know a couple of really big clients because he said you know I don't know if any uh, Brent said you know I don't know if anyone anyone else has experienced this oh yes. you think think you've been you know you, you've been promised the work well yeah we had two in quite short succession in 2014 who shall re- remain nameless uh that re- almost brought the company down mm. um and at the time was just like you know panic stations um uh, and but as he learned from the experience i think so have we i haven't thought oh i'm I, you know I, that's a specific thing i've learned from it but listening back to this talk made me think yeah definitely and my attitude has changed t- towards business a lot since those experiences um you know for the better i'm much more relaxed and calm about things which has got to be good i think it also if nothing else it, it as you say it teaches you not to count your chickens before they're hatched you know that that you don't actually know until you've got the work mm. and also i think the other thing that it teaches me over or i've learned over the years is not to take it personally 
that you mm. know you lose work for all kinds of bizarre reasons that often are very little to do with your capabilities but are mm. just you know because of somebody knows somebody or some situation and it, it, it's a bit of a lottery but what yeah. i what i really liked i think about um brent's little story is is how he kind of ended it really which is they had a decision to make at the end of that it could have completely knocked the stuffing out of them and they could have just given up and walked away but they managed to to find the good in that situation you know they managed to conclude well okay well if we got that kind of opportunity once then we should be able to do that again next time we'll do it better and that reminds me of um that quote I always say that, um, if, which is supposedly from Winston Churchill, although I don't know if it really is, which is success is going from failure to failure with no loss of enthusiasm. And to a large extent, certainly with sales, that is true. You just got to keep banging away at it, and you really. Yeah, and you need a thick skin. And you, yeah, it's kind of great to have a partner as well, which obviously Brent did have. Because, mm. you know, if, 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 if your partner in, 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 in sales work is, has taken something like really badly, and sometimes we all do, mm. some of the, the ones we think, yeah, this is perfect for us. And then, as you say, for some reason, just stuff happens uh, and it doesn't come your way. And you never know. That's the other reason. You never find out, which can be really frustrating. Yeah. Um, but if you've got somebody else to say, look, you know, we won that one and we won that one and we're fine, we're still going, you know, we, we did a great pitch, just wasn't right this time, then that's a really healthy thing. So, yeah, I guess I'm saying that to you, Paul. So if, if, if something doesn't work out, you can just come and talk to me about it. I always do. <laughs> that's, that's absolutely true. I always come, come and have a good moment to you, normally on the mm. podcast, like at the yes. moment. Exactly. So, and also, Paul, don't wear a tie. No, well, I never have, have I? <laughs> have you ever known me to wear a tie? I think I've worn a tie to one pitch, which was to some old school accountants, right? Uh, and it sort of, and this was yonks ago, like twelve, thirteen, fourteen years ago, something like that. And I thought, well, I guess that they would feel uncomfortable without, you know, somebody turning up without a tie on. Um, but yeah, don't yeah. It is a fine line, Mike. Because I could see where Brent was coming from, and yeah, he was overly suited and booted, and and we've done, I've done that before, where mm. uh, you know I've turned up a lot smarter than the other people in the room, and you can look like a slick salesman if you're not careful, um, yeah. which is is problematic if you are someone who is naturally smart. It can, that can be a problem as well. But I've seen the other. Don't, don't you remember when we went and pitched for Wiltshire Farm Foods? I'll never forget that that we were sitting in the reception waiting to go in and do the pitch. Um, and it was one of those awkward situations where the previous agency was coming out as we were going in and we saw them. And I swear he was wearing sandals, um, uh, shorts and a Hawaiian shirt. And I knew instantly that they weren't going to win the work. Yeah. And I've had, I had exactly the same thing at, uh, Portsmouth University with the opposite thing happening right and a sort of team of about 10 people it was probably four but it seemed like 10 gray suits came out yeah while we we're waiting just like you know dressed normally I just think you know just wear wear something that isn't really saying anything yeah is just kind of you know let, let what's let what you say do the talking 
Yes, do the let the talking do the talking. Yes, rather um, than what you wear. Yes, I mean the other thing, piece of advice that you've given before. I mean, what I was spending so long talking about what to wear, I don't know, but <laughs> uh, which I always thought was good is is if you do know the audience, if you've you know if you're if you've kind of pitched to people with similar position or whatever, always dress a little bit smarter than they would, but yes. not too much smarter. Correct. Which I think is good advice. But the main, I, and but this whole thing about be yourself, I don't think just appeal uh, should doesn't just. It's not just about what you wear. I think it's just generally about how you handle yourself in the meeting and and how you talk and how you behave. I think you can you can really come across as desperate if you try too hard. Yeah, or you get caught out. Yeah, if you're, if you're you know setting yourself up as an expert in something when you're not, or for example. Mm. Uh, yeah, I mean, basically, people. I've always thought that people you do go to pitches uh, to see if the two groups of people on either side of the table can work together. Yeah. So if you if you pretend to be something you're not, then I mean, if they like it and they hire you, then well, you you you. I guess there's a there's you could come. That is a recipe for potential disaster. Down. Yes, the line. it is. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So be be yourself and. Hopefully that will come across as being natural and likable and somebody and professional, I suppose, and somebody uh, that you'd want to work with. Anyway, enough of such things. Indeed, I think I think Brent's story said it all, really, and we didn't need to say any of that that we've just said. So there's <laughs> ten minutes of your life wasted. All right, talking of wasting your time, let's talk about a sponsor. Oh, see now they would kill me. Dean you set that up badly again. I did. D- Dean, Dean, who runs Teacup um, AdWords, who we're going to talk about next. Dean, mate, I'm sorry. That was not I, the best intro. I all well, I'll, I'll I'll make up for it. The the um, client that I recommended full story to, I also recommended Teacup uh, well Teacup Analytics to them. Right. Okay. So we're we're not talking about Teacup Analytics, but it was I a know, good try. Just to kind of make him feel a bit better after you running him down and his product. No, I'm not running his product down. <laughs> oh, see, Ned, just stop talking. Fortunately, I had a call with Dean this morning. I also do some mentorship with Dean and and um, uh, to helping him because uh, this product, the teacup um, uh, AdWords that we're going to talk about in a minute, um, is it's going through a beta. And so I was doing some UX review stuff with him. Um, and I think I gave him a couple of bits of advice that he was really chuffed about. So maybe that makes up for this train wreck of a sponsored slot. Okay, here we go. Right. <clears throat> so do you run AdWords campaigns? I'm doing it professionally now. Could you no, tell? I me? don't know. Oh, see now. <sighs> right. <clears throat> here we go. Do you run AdWords campaigns? Marcus, shut up. Do you know, now I didn't know this, this is actually quite interesting, that Google will charge you more per click if it doesn't think that your landing page, in other words, the page that the click goes through, is as relevant to the ad copy and keyword as it could be. I didn't know that. So I didn't know that either. I just thought that the amount they charged was totally dependent on how many other people were bidding against that keyword but it's not it's also to do with the quality of the landing page and they 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 set a score for the quality of the landing page um of uh, and that determines how much they charge you per click which just blew me away of course dean could be lying about this but i see no reason to accuse him of lying he's a very nice chap 
Um, I'm, again, stop talking. So, um, but what this, amongst the many things that this AdWords, so this AdWords product that is currently in the um, uh, beta testing um, helps you to create and manage all of the AdWords campaigns that you run. But it also helps you craft a landing page and it will create a landing page for you based on just a few short uh, questions. So it asks you some questions it then automatically generates your ad campaign and a well-designed landing page that matches each and every single ad that you run. So even if you run 20, 30 ads, you'll get 20, 30 different um, landing pages, all of which are going to be scored well against Google's you know, ranking mechanism. And you just go in and add a logo and a bit more information or, or tart it up if you want to but basically landing pages are generated automatically for you which is flipping amazing so he gave me a tour of it this morning and it's looking really good um so what he's trying to do he's so sensible in the way that he he runs and creates these products um he's currently at the the beta stage and he's actually actively looking for people um to to get involved in the beta and give him feedback and you know and 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 he's rolling it out really gradually to to people so if you'd like to be involved in that and get to try it out and get to shape it, either for yourself or for your clients um because obviously it's designed for for agencies that are offering this service for clients but they can't spend a lot of time you know managing it for them then you can find out about this by going to teacupanalytics.com forward slash adwords and i I do recommend checking it out because it is very useful and a good time saver okay marcus shall i let you introduce the next talk because i've seen your notes Well, I'll tell you what, I'll do the introduction if you say who it is. No, no, you say who it is and I'll do the introduction. So it's Catalina, that's all you need to know. Catalina de Leon or Leon Belloc. Catalina de Leon Belloc. There we go. So you're going to carry on or are you going to stop at that point? She's from Argentina and she's a UI slash UX designer. Yes, founder of Purple Bunny. And she's a digital. Oh, aid, no! Purple Bunny is a digital nomad studio. That means that she. she They're she, everywhere, isn't it? They're she, all over the place. She d- can't stay still. Well, she <laughs> says in her talk she likes travelling a lot, doesn't she? Yes, yes. This is the in thing at the moment. It's like, why do you need to stay in one place to to run an agency? Why can't you continually cruise the world? Which I think I, I think it's a damn good idea, personally. Yeah, I. Yeah. You don't like you. You you're a bit of a homeboy, mine, Marcus. That's am, your trouble. Yes. Although I've been away a lot lately. <laughs> yeah, I know. But <laughs> yeah, you like um, you like having a base. Don't you? Well, I what's what's going through my mind here is when the sun comes out in about April, usually uh, in in the UK, I think, oh, I'm going to go and sit in the garden, and that lasts about half an hour, and then I wander back up to my office where everything's just just right. So, yeah, I can't even get get out of the garden gate. See, there's, there's go the to problem. another country. Yes. So, Catalina is a little bit more ambitious and and um, you know progressive than you, Marcus. Let's say that. So, you can find out more about her at purplebunny.co, um, and she she does loads of of cool stuff that you can check out there. And what she's talking to us about today is productivity tips. Um, so she's talking about a little bit about her 11 years of working in the web industry and the different roles that she's played and the different formats that she's worked. And then she's sharing with us some of the things that have worked for her in terms of tips and approaches. So, um, 
So over to Catalina. Let me start by telling you a little bit about myself. Uh, I'm a UI UX designer from Buenos Aires, Argentina. Uh, I got into this industry back in 2005 while I was finishing design school, and I got a job as a project manager at a digital agency. I was to manage all of one of their main partners' projects, which was another web studio in Kansas City. So from day one, my job required me to manage communications between teams and clients that were located in different countries. Our team also had two days of home office. Uh, we had also you know, full-time designers and developers were, that were working from different cities. So our team was partly remote. I also took on some client projects to work during my free time. This helped me learn how to design and code websites from scratch. And back in 2011, I created my freelance brand called Purple Bunny. I used to ask for a lot of advice from my boss, Hernan, who was the founder and CEO of the agency. He helped me with things like budgeting projects or, or dealing with difficult clients. And eventually the workload was too big. So one day we decided it would be best to run Purple Bunny together. And this partnership worked really well. I got to take on projects that interest me the most, and the rest were done with the support of the agency. So we were basically offering the flexibility and competitive rate of a freelancer, but behind there was a group of talented designers, developers, project managers, you know, ready to take on bigger projects. I worked in the agency for over 11 years, uh, where I transitioned from a, this PM role to the design team, eventually leading the team and even becoming partner at the agency. As you can imagine, it became hard for me to find the balance to keep working both the agency and Purple Bunny projects at the same time. So for years, I switched between different formats to try to make it work, you know, in-house, remote, a mix of both part-time, full-time. I mean, you name it, I've tried it. And finally, in 2017, I decided to put all of my efforts into Purple Bunny. So I wanted to share with you today some tips I learned uh, over the years on how to be more productive, both as a freelancer or, or part of a remote team. I'd like to start by talking a little bit about working from home. It used to take me about two hours to commute to get to the office. So this was the main reason that pushed me to start implementing a few days of home office. I immediately realized that when I was working from home, I was getting much more done. I would wake up at 8 a.m., have breakfast, and by 8.30, I was sitting at my desk. I was logged into Slack. I was checking my email. I had open sketched. I mean, it was amazing for some time because since I had so much work to do, I started at 8.30 and many days I would work straight till 7 p.m., 8 p.m. or even later. So I started to stress out, obviously. I wasn't creating a schedule. There was no clear time when work would start or finish because I was not leaving or coming home from work. I then decided I needed to do something before and after work. So I started jogging in the mornings. I'd run four kilometers, which took me about 30 or 40 minutes. And I'm not the type of person who enjoys doing exercise. I mean, trust me, it, it takes me a lot of effort. But I got to replace that commute time with a healthy activity. And I got to leave the house and come back before starting to work, which I found very energizing. And there's other things you can do, like walk your dog, for example. I've even heard others who would wake up, get dressed, walk around the block or go and get a cup of coffee and then come back home to start the workday. It helps to change your mindset from personal time to work time. It's important to have a clear distinction between both. And the same goes for your workspace. If it blends too much, it's hard to focus. I highly recommend, I mean, if you have the room to have a separate office or, or a desk, because working from your couch, from your bed, dining room table, those are all places for relaxation time or for me time or for family time. 
and they might not be the most inviting to actually get work done. There's this other morning routine which I found very effective, which is making your bed. It's a simple everyday task that can be motivating. Uh, check out a speech given by a Navy SEAL Admiral about the benefits of making your bed every morning. It's super interesting. Bear in mind that working from home has a lot of benefits, but there's also distractions. You just need to look around and you'll find some laundry that needs to get done or some dishes that need to be washed or you have errands to run. So you'll need discipline and self-control. Otherwise, you can spend an entire day doing errands or and not getting any work done. So I've set up these two rules that help me deal with this. So uh, the first one, as you may know, it's not very healthy to stay sitting down for long periods of time. Um, for instance, my Apple Watch reminds me every hour that I need to stand up for a minute. Or you might use a technique like Pomodoro, where you take a five-minute break every 25 minutes. And I use those breaks to do house chores that take no more than five five minutes or 10 minutes tops. And the second rule, and a lot of people might not agree, but I think that doing errands in the middle of the day saved me a lot of time. I tend to get things done uh, in much less time than if I would do them before or after working hours when you know everyone else is doing them. And yeah, I mean, that means that I need to do something in the middle of the day, but I get it done in half the time. So if I have to run errands, like go to the dentist or uh, go to the bank, my personal rule is not to do more than one in a day. And that day, I'll just stay a little bit longer to make up for that lost time. This brings me on to another important thing, which is tracking your time. The only way to have some control and awareness if you're being productive is by tracking your time. And of course, a lot of us charge by the hour, so there's no way to avoid that. But I've seen a lot of people finish their work and divide those eight hours between the tasks and projects they, they were working on. And I find that a bit misleading or, or inaccurate, and that's why I use a timer. Not only do I get to be more precise with what I log into a project and charge a client, but I also find it helpful to see which days I'm getting less done and why. I also recommend to keep track on the time spent on tasks that are related to your work, but might not necessarily be associated to a particular project. For instance, if I have to go to the bank to get a, a wire from a client abroad, or if I spend some time in the morning reading online while I'm having my coffee, I track that time. Otherwise, by the end of the day, I would get frustrated because the timer didn't reflect the time I had invested on my business that day. Even if they're not billable hours, they were still part of my job. And I use Toggle, which has a really good desktop app. You can log your time uh, to different teams, to different projects, and you can assign tags to them. And all, all pretty common features, right? But what I found very helpful is that you will get notified if you forget to turn on your timer. Uh, or if you forget to turn it off and you keep it running. And another cool feature which is available in the browser app is that it lets you know how much time you're spending on the different software you're using. Another thing I wanted to talk about is communication. Having a good communication is very important in any team, but even more important if you're a freelancer working for clients abroad or you're a part of a remote team. It shortens that physical distance and reduces the friction that can come along with it. For instance, we rely heavily on conference calls, and there's nothing more frustrating for a client or a team than having to repeat yourself constantly uh, or having someone's voice go all robotic. Don't you ever spend like five or 10 minutes trying to get everyone on Hangout to work properly? Oh, I, I, I see John's logged in. John, uh, can you hear us? Oh, it seems he's typing in the chat window. 
Oh, yes, yes, he can hear us, uh, but, but we can't hear you, John. What if you try logging back in? That doesn't work. Um, what about the browser? What browser are you using? What if we all switch to Skype? And then it starts all over again. Does this sound familiar? Because I've estimated we've lost hundreds of hours just by trying to get everyone on a call. A lot of time, we even turn off the camera in conference calls just to have a better quality in the connection. Yet remote teams might benefit from seeing each other's faces, seeing facial reactions. That's why a good internet connection is a key element when working from home. I've set up my home office with Ethernet cable just to assure the best possible connection. I didn't want to rely on Wi-Fi, and that might be a bit extreme, but it was a game changer for me. I also switched to a conference call tool called Zoom. It's a very reliable desktop app that works perfect with all type of internet connections. So if you're not using it, I highly recommend you check that out. There was this other productivity problem we had with our team's calls, and, and that was that they ran too long. Daily or weekly stand-ups that should take no more than 10 or 15 minutes sometimes ran over an hour, and this happened for a couple of reasons. We usually had stand-ups early in the morning, and we always had some people working from home and others working from the office. So what happened was that someone was always late to the call, and they were on the way to work, and they would log in to hang out from the bus or from the car, you know, myself included, and that was a big mistake because the quality was awful, and, and we, we ended up wasting a lot of time. So if your team members cannot commit that early, just push the stand-up one hour later. This way, you can make sure everyone's available and ready to catch up in a 10 or 15-minute call tops. The second reason was that the personal talk at the beginning of the call extended for too long. You need to try to keep that chat to a minimum. And, and don't get me wrong, it's important to take a couple of minutes to see how everyone's doing. But you need to be careful, I mean, especially in a crowded call, because you can easily end up chatting for 15 minutes straight. And this one is a tricky one when being 100% remote because uh, you don't have that coffee break to catch up. And personal relations in our team are very important. So every once in a while, I recommend you meet with your team in person, especially if you're in the same city. Another solution we found super helpful for stand-ups is a bot called Howdy. If your team uses Slack, you can schedule Howdy to collect your team's updates via chat. It then posts the answers in a channel. So you basically replace a 15-minute call with this tool that gathers the same information in less than five minutes. This brings me on to Slack. Using a chat system is also a great way to shorten the distance with your remote team. And Slack is the perfect tool for chatting. It's a beautiful design product, and it has tons of useful integrations. However, this tool needs to be used wisely, since it can also compromise your productivity. So if you have chatty team members or, or you're part of a big team, Make sure to turn off notifications to avoid distractions. And last but not least, we need to talk about project management tools. Don't rely on emails to manage your projects and, and team communications. I mean, if, even if you're working solo, you need to have a tool in place that organizes deliveries, discussions, milestones, to-dos. And, and in my case, I use Basecamp. It's not perfect, but, uh, but it gets the job done. We also work with Trello uh, with, when we need a, like a more of a Kanban approach, especially in products that involve development. I wanted to touch briefly on some productivity tips for designers. When it comes to tools, I've got three words for you, sketch, craft, and envision. We could do an entire podcast of these miracle workers, but I didn't want to leave out these tools that I use every day and that they have improved massively my entire design process. I also want to mention the importance of staying up to date, uh, especially in an industry like ours, which is constantly changing. 
you don't want to be left behind. So I'd recommend to make some time to read online, to, to listen to podcasts or be part of your local community by going to meetups, uh, join Slack teams. Basically, listen and learn from your colleagues' recommendations and experiences and, and share your own. I also wanted to talk about bad habits. I'm always trying to identify what I'm doing wrong and how I can improve it. I made a lot of mistakes during my career, and, and I feel like I'm always learning. So I wanted to share with you some of these habits I had and, and some, some which I'm still trying to change. The first one is do not multitask. And I think this one is kind of obvious on how it can harm your productivity. Um, this happens when I'm juggling with a lot of projects, which brings me on to the next mistake I make, which is I don't say no. Like every time an email comes from a referral or, or a happy client bringing a new project, I need to fight that urge to, to please and accept immediately. Uh, I've learned that, you know, I have to stop, take a look at my schedule and say I'm currently not available or I will become available as of next month or next week and so on. Another bad habit I had was I had a lot of, you know, a, lot, a big to-do list uh, and I learned that I need to get rid of one-minute tasks. And no, I do not do GTD. Uh, I honestly got bored uh, halfway into the book, but I think there's definitely value in that technique and, and, I, and I do plan on getting back to it soon. Uh, but I, what I do try to apply is working on those tasks that are in my to-do list that can be solved quickly. Another bad habit I had was uh, having conference calls when I was traveling. Uh, I love traveling. I, I try to go somewhere I've never been before once a year, and I always take my work with me. By doing this, I get to travel farther, I get to stay longer and get to know more places. But, you know, internet connection is hardly reliable, so just say no. You can't be part of calls until you get back from your holidays. If something is, you know, very urgent and it can't wait, just make sure to have a really good connection or, or try to solve it via email. And this, you know, leads me on to, to the next bad habit I have, which is kind of obvious, which is try to do as little or no work during your time off, because that's what it is, your time off, you know, time to relax with your partner, your family, your friends, and and you need to be there enjoying the moment and come back with a with a renewed energy to work. So let's wrap up with an important piece, which is to stay healthy. Try to get the right amount of sleep, eat well, exercise. This year, I even learned some breathing and meditation techniques that I found very helpful. Honestly, I've, I've been quite skeptical about those in the past, but one of my New Year's resolution was to get out of my comfort zone and, and start trying new things. And I found that all of these practices really help you lead a, a stress-free and more productive life. So those are the tips I wanted to share with you today. Uh, by no means do I think these are mandatory, um, nor that they work for everyone. There are so many practices out there. You just need to find the one that works for you. I struggle daily to find the time and discipline uh, with some of these, but I can assure you that they help me be more productive every day. Okay, thank you. Thank you for listening. So there you go. That was a good one. I enjoyed that one. It Look, certainly was. It, it's my kind of thing, productivity. Is, yeah, that's very you, Paul. Mm. My favourite tip was make the bed. Yeah, what was all that about? I didn't, I didn't get that. I, I totally get that. Why? Isn't Why that, does is, making the bed help in any way you to achieve anything? Um, basically, if you make your bed, you can still have clothes strewn around the room over chairs and things like that. But it makes the room look tidy and then you have a feeling of tidiness and I can go out into the world and get things done. Mm. It's, it, it's just it's kind of like, I don't know, it really does tidy the room. Weirdly, <laughs> I've always thought that because I'm not a particularly tidy person, but I always make the bed.
You see, I have to have a tidy office, but I, I mean, what do I care whether the, the bed looks messy? I'm downstairs working. Dunno, can't. I, I, that's psychological. The I can give you. There you go. So yeah, she said. She said a lot that I really liked. You know, she talked about the Pomodoro technique and all that kind of stuff. But she did say that she got bored halfway through getting things done by David Allen, which did offend me because <laughs> I'm a bit of a GTD fanatic. So, uh, but she You're, made some really good points, didn't so she? So it makes her half human, in my view. Then does it? Because if, yeah. you, if you're you, a total robot, I'm right. a human, and she's somewhere in between. Ah, uh, okay, that's the way it works. Oh, <laughs> I, I nearly got a thunderfly then, just so you know. It's I can see it. Where's my Where's my fly spray? You're gonna die. I was gonna, I was gonna say what What you need is is murder spray. I've got murder spray. I've, I've, oh, yes, die! <laughs> Sorry about that. Okay, I'm back with you. Yes. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> You really want to do that when you've got to talk, haven't you? <laughs> it's a bad idea. Yeah, so I liked all the stuff about separating out the office and, and not trying to kind of work from the kitchen table, I totally agreed with. I found mm-hmm. an old post of you talking about that, actually, on, on Boag World. Really? Yeah, yeah. What did I say? I like, wonder if my, my views have changed. Just that, that it's, you know, um, if you're going to have people that are remote working, one of the rules that you should say is that they've got a separate room to do that in. Yes, well, well if if we're hiring people, we insist on that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That, that would... you, you can't have your kids running around your feet and trying to work at the same time or be, be on, uh, you know, on conference calls and things like that. Yeah. Yes. You need to separate it out. I know, um, I know a lot of people, you know, go and work from cafes and pubs and things like that, but I don't think you can do that all the time, personally. No, no, it's got to be as well as. Yeah. Uh, you know, if, if you want to go, I, I, I took my car in for a service last week, and I spent a couple of hours in Costa, and it was quite quite nice. Mm. I, I, I quite enjoyed it, but I wouldn't want to do it all the time. No. Yeah, I, went, I went out the garden gate. There you go, week. well done. But I also, I agree with the idea of doing some exercise. Um, like Lee... Lee get talking about Lee again. He goes swimming every morning. I take my dogs out pretty much every morning when I work from home, and it just clears your head, gets you gets starts moving the blood around your body, which I think helps you think. Mm. Yeah, I mean, interestingly, I've got to say, I, I, you know, I, I'm not an exercise person if I'm honest, but because I've been selling these UX culture cards, how is that fly still alive? I nuked it. <laughs> Anyway, because I was, um, I'm selling these user experience culture cards, I have to go out to the post office all the time now. Mm-hmm. And that, it's just a little walk out of the house makes yeah. such a difference, doesn't it? Wakes you up. Yeah, I mean, I don't do, you know, I don't do anything that, uh, anything that uh, you know, makes me sweat or anything like oh, that. Oh, no. Perish God, thought. No. I'm no. far too old for that. Exactly. And, you know, yeah. And, you know, I'm above that sort of thing. Exactly. <laughs> but, yeah, just get out and, and just just go for a wonder it was interesting my listening to her you know all of her her advice about you know dividing home and work and all of that and hours and you know, i was nodding along and then i was thinking i don't do any of that anymore that i totally blur the lines between home and work um and i think it's because we've been doing this for so long we've been working from from home for so long we've kind of found an equilibrium mm. and uh, it's like anything isn't it it's you know it's good good practice totally agree with what catalina was saying but um i think once you're really comfortable with it don't don't let that become dogmatic if that makes sense it's like what do they say about you know before you can be picasso you need to know how to draw properly 
yeah. know, you've got to do it by the rules, and then you can break the rules later. Well, yeah, I mean, similarly, I, you know, these these conversations are always about you must be very organised and you you know you must focus on one task at a time and you know and the, all the stuff about learning to say no to stuff, otherwise that will kind of stop mm. you doing what you're doing. All of my working life, I've flitted from one thing to another, and if something interesting comes in, I go, "Oh, what's that?" and I deal with it when it comes in immediately. Mm. Uh, and I don't know whether that's whether I'm weird by doing that or whether many people are like me, but it works for me. Yeah, is my, is my point. I you know, I successfully get things done most of the time. I forget the odd thing, but but it's pretty rare. So, yeah, you, I, you've got to be who you are. Yes. Yeah, it almost goes back to the previous yeah, talk. What we were no. saying before, yeah. Yeah, oh, this is turning very hippie-ish. Just be yourself, man. <laughs> so, uh, uh, yeah, I agree. I agreed with everything she said. Really good advice. Um, I even, I loved the fact that she, she mentioned sketch and craft. And I'm just obsessed by that program. It, you know, after years of, of struggling with graphics packages to do web work and you come across something like sketch and it's just such a breath of fresh air. So using the right tools, I agreed with all of that. Um, I think uh, her thing about standups, I've got this thing about standups, right? Mm. I just think people do standups really badly and uh, they're a great idea, but you have to be so regimented about them. They can't last more than 10 minutes. You should only cover what you did yesterday, what you're doing today, and what's blocking you. Everything else, every other conversation, any other subject shouldn't happen, in my opinion, within a stand-up. It should happen in Slack, or it should happen in another meeting, or whatever else. But otherwise, your stand-ups just become these bloated things from hell that are just boring. Yeah, I, I, I don't like them at all. I think you should just have project meetings when you need them. Mm. Um, and I certainly don't agree with moving something that's certainly daily anyway, later if so-and-so can't, can't get there by a particular time. Because what happens, um, something doesn't bother me, but somebody's more regimented than I am. If, if, you, if your stand-up is normally, I don't know, 9.30, then you'll make your coffee, you'll check your email, blah, blah, whatever, and then the, the meeting happens at 9.30, and then you get on with whatever you're going to do. If that becomes 11 o'clock, then you're just kind of, you know, waiting around till 11 o'clock, yeah. kind of, until that meeting happens. So I think it's bad for productivity, frankly. So, yeah, there we go. So after saying we agree with her over everything, we've now just picked holes in a lot of it. Well, no, but then we're saying that everything else she said was fab. Yes. <laughs> We've been very negative. We focused on the negative when actually the vast majority was really good, solid stuff. Yeah. We approve this message. <laughs> Stamp. Yes. Okay. Uh, what do we do now at this point in the podcast? I'm so hypnotized by flies everywhere. I, I tell a joke. That's that Bruce it. Bruce Lawson posted on to Twitter. I am so glad you're telling that one. I was desperately trying to re-find it because I couldn't remember it and I wanted to uh, put it in the Slack channel because I thought it was really funny. Depends which one. He oh. posts so many. Oh, let's see if it's... I'll, I'll recognise it. Okay. It starts with, ouch. No, it's Just not. been hit on the head with a copy of Sean Connery's autobiography. I only have my shelf to blame. I only have my shelf to blame. I see. No, it wasn't that one. He is this constant source of brilliant rubbish, isn't he, really? Yes. Bruce, awesome. Bruce L, he is, on Twitter, if you want to follow him and his bizarre rantings. 
It's, yeah, he's entertaining. He so there you go. Just a reminder that we have another four slots available. Now, that sounds like not a lot. And you might be tempted to think, well, I won't bother submitting one because there's only four slots left. But please remember that we can add additional slots if we need to. And the trouble is you're all going to think, oh, it's not worth submitting one if there's only four available. And that means none of you are going to. And that means we won't have enough. So we need you to submit a slot for everything, everything, uh, 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 talk even. Um, if you want to know anything about how to do that, go to boag.world forward slash season 18 or drop me an email at paul at boagworld.com and I'll be more than happy to help out because I haven't got a lot going on in my life at the moment. And, and so I just fancy chatting with random people via email. Yeah, everyone, send Paul an email. Oh. He loves that. At the moment, I don't. My life's miserable. Anyway, I can't spend any more time talking to you or the dear listener today because I'm just that busy. Okay. So uh, you, get, you get on with work. I'm not going to do any more work there. Well, I might edit the podcast. I might edit this podcast. We'll see. Oh, it's just hard being you, isn't it? <laughs> All right, then. Good to talk to you, Marcus, and good to talk to you, dear listener. We will talk again next week. Oh, my God.